save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, and welcome back to the Tomahawk Take Podcast. I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and with me is Alan. Good day. And Fred. I'm in here in silhouette only. Yeah, and it is it is a depressing day for Major League Baseball, for the fans of Major League Baseball, as the lockout begins on Thursday. We have roster freezes, no more transactions or anything of that ilk right now, and the, the league is under a lockout for the first time in 26 years, so definitely a bit of a somber mood on the podcast today, kind of been a somber day for me really all day long, because I... I stayed up as long as I could, hoping there would be a Freddie Freeman deal at the last minute, but that did not happen. We are under a lockout, so Braves fans will have to wait till after the lockout ends to we can ramp up more Freddie Freeman conversation. But I want to talk about the lockout first. We can kind of get into Freddie Freeman a little bit more later. But um, as I said, the they did the owners did institute a lockout and. Uh, along with that came a letter from Rob Manfred, maybe the least liked person in all of Atlanta. The, the biggest regret I have for about winning the World Series is that the Braves didn't win it at home so that he could properly get booed by 40,000 plus people. But it still was nice to see that those fans who were in Houston booed him very loudly. I'm still upset about not getting the All-Star game, but we are going to move on from that a little bit here because uh, once the lockout was announced, Manfred put out a letter and you know, basically just started kind of the posturing process saying that the players union uh, came to the table, not really wanting to bargain, not really wanting to compromise at all. Just kind of setting uh, the ground for what is we know for a while now has been just a tenuous, a tenuous situation between these two sides. We covered it during the 2020 season where the two sides were just at each other's throat, could not come to an agreement when it seemed like, it was the best time ever for the two sides to get together and give fans something that they needed, something uh, during a difficult time, and they couldn't even do it then. So you, we knew it at that point. We talked about it at that point, you know, how ugly of an offseason this was going to be. And now here we are, and it's just like we thought it would be, Alan, with the two sides just at each other's throat. Seems like neither one's giving in. And at this point, it seems like it's become more of just a, a pride and an ego thing for both sides. Kind of sucks the wind out of our entire World Series victory, doesn't it? Yeah, a little uh, bit. I, I mean, yeah, you knew this was coming, but between the Freddie Freeman saga and this, it's just, you know, not very positive news here. And I don't know what in the world's going to have to happen to, to change that. Well, I, I mean, I do. It, it's going to be all, all parties bargaining in good faith, get a job, get a deal done in, record time and then get uh, Freeman re-signed with the Braves. Those would be good things. But right now I'm not terribly optimistic on either part. Uh, I think that on the Freeman side, the uh, Braves and and Freeman's camp are both sort of dug in and neither side's really giving. Uh, the Braves, I guess, are hoping that uh, there's going to be nobody else for him to go to. Freeman's camp is waiting on the Braves to come up to his number, so nothing's happening there. In in terms of the owners and Major League Baseball Players Association, it's essentially worse because you've got, yeah, both sides have made proposals. Both sides have also made proposals that neither one, neither side uh, would even touch. They're, they're non-starters. And at some point, they're going to have to come together and, and figure out how to come up with reasonable things. So far, the only reasonable statement I've heard, I think, came from Colin McHugh, who is one of the player reps. Uh, but he said something like that the players were in a state where 
enough had to change to really improve their position that this is not going to be done all in one CBA. It would take a sea change uh, and and a major, major change of direction in order to get everything that they think they want. And that's just not going to happen in one uh, negotiation. They're going to have to do things incrementally over the next perhaps 20 years to be able to push this barge around to do something that uh, they think they would prefer. So I think that if everybody else has that kind of realism in their head, then yes, maybe we can get somewhere and we can start talking about little changes and not these big sea change kinds of uh, negotiation proposals. And I, I think we just got to get past all the posturing right now that's happening and the, the anger and just let everything settle. It's going to have, it's going to wait for a while because these guys aren't going to talk probably for the rest of the entire month. I bet it's uh, January before they have maybe early January, if I'm being actually optimistic before they have any kind of substantive negotiation sessions again. And that's just bad for the sport. And again, uh, baseball, both sides are doing things to shoot themselves in the foot. It, it's just bad. And I'll just stop there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's all, all really bad. Um, Fred, it sounds like neither side is really close either, right? They met, uh, in Dallas earlier in the week and it sounds like, you know, they pushed proposal across the table and the other side just pushed it right back. And it just seems like, Neither neither side really wants to give an inch here. I, I agree with uh, Alan, you know, quoting Colin McHugh there saying, you know, you kind of have to live with incremental changes here. And it sounds like the union's not really satisfied with that. They want, you know, complete changes. They and they they're not gonna they're not gonna give in to that at all. Which, you know, whatever, good for them. You know, it's their right to do that, I guess. But there's got to be a little bit of of give and take there. Uh, you've talked about it a lot, Fred, the idea that, you know, the players got beat pretty bad in the last negotiations. They know that and they weren't happy with what went down in 2020 either. So they've come into these negotiations just angry and you kind of see that play out. But Fred, it just ultimately seems like neither side is really in a negotiating mood and both just seem angry at each other. Well, I, I mean, when you say the players are mad, the, the players are mad at, at Tony Clark. Okay, Tony Clark is the one who agreed to that deal in 2017. He's the one who didn't read the fine print, who who didn't pay attention to his knitting. And as a result, when a member came out, Mark said, well, I can do this and I can do that and I can do this. And Clark said, well, huh? And then he went and found out he had been short sheeted. Then he was in trouble and he began his fight back. Now, I'm not saying Manford was right. I think it was absolutely the wrong thing to do because you don't negotiate good faith by short-sheeting the other fella. You don't. That's not good faith. That's gotcha. And gotcha doesn't win in a negotiation. The whole point of a negotiation is that people sit down and want to get to the other side to something that's fair and equitable. In this particular case, as Alan said, Tony Clark doesn't want fair and equitable. He wants he wants to hang Manfred up from a flagpole and spin him around there and smack him with a baseball bat every time he comes around so that everybody can see he lost this time. And that ain't going to happen. I, and, and that's why he went out and hired this guy who was standing in the, his picture in, in the athletic with his arms crossed across his chest. They're not going to like me. That's wrong. Okay, that's the wrong approach to this. They don't. You don't have to tell people you're tough. You have to get in the negotiating room and be tough. And right now, uh, Manfred sent this letter out, and he builds several straw men in that letter, and then he tears them down. He says, well, this is the only path to prevent, prevent a strike, and we'll save games next year. This does nothing to save games next year. If the union doesn't have what they want, by the time spring training it comes, is supposed to come around, and baseball still has them locked out, they will stay out until they get what they want or they get a deal they can accept. Nothing done today puts any pressure on the union whatsoever to act in any way at all. You don't put pressure on No, your players can't go get treatment. I bet you those players can afford a doctor. I, I just think this is just clear path to was it a clear path to an answer. Well, if he's got a clear path to an answer, he ought to be across the street standing in front of Tony Clark's door with that clear path and this is the way we're going to do it. Let's sit down and do it. 
Uh, I said before we started this that if I was if I was in Manfred's position, I'd pull myself up a chair across the street from MLBPA headquarters, and when they were, I would be there and tell them I'm here every day until we get to sit down and talk, because not talking doesn't improve anything. I'm here every day. If you want to talk, let's talk. If you don't want to talk, then I think that's on you. I'm here to make a deal. The union could do the same thing. They could sit across from MLB headquarters if there's anything there to sit in, and they could say, we're, we're here to talk, and until you come across, we'll be here 24-7, 365 to talk. But neither side's doing that. All of them are trying to win the public over, and uh, they're all think that, they all think that if they win the fans over, it'll make a difference, and it's not. The fans don't have a vote in this. The fans are going to be mad if there's no baseball next year, and they're going to be mad at both sides. I remember the last strike. I remember in 1994 that when they went out on strike, I said, to hell with all these people, and I didn't watch baseball for three years. I I didn't. The 95 95 World Series I watched, but I didn't watch anybody else play anything else. I went, they they had an independent league here, and I went and watched the independent league boys. I didn't watch anything on television but brave stuff. And then, not much, not as much of that as I, as I do, do now. So I think, you know, they, they think the fans aren't very smart. They think the fans are just going to keep throwing money at them. Uh, you know, 14 teams in the playoffs and more money in their pocket. Uh, fans aren't that stupid. They know when their team isn't good and they know that playing three meaningless games before getting eliminated isn't, doesn't make them a playoff team. And players. <laughs> They need to understand the, the the salary structure. There's always going to be a lot of rich players and always going to be a lot of players who don't make much money in comparison. And the middle class is vanishing because players are getting $325 million for 10 years, $43 million a year. That's, you know, that's not a three good, three really good players on a team. But one player's got that, and that means the other team, he, the team can't spend anymore. Uh, owners don't have millions to throw down a rabbit hole that they're not going to get back until they sell the, sell the club in 10 years. This is just two sides that don't, as Alan said, they don't like each other very much. They don't want to talk to each other, and they're trying to paint, paint the other guy as a, as a uh, evil person. And, uh, and then neither one's going to Everybody's going to come out of this looking bad. Yeah, and that's what frustrates me the most is the, the posturing from both sides. You know, I talked about the letter from Manfred basically blaming the players' union, and then you got Tony Clark coming out and blaming the MLB, and and then you got players coming out, like like even Tyler Matzik and the stuff he tweeted and put in his bio. It's funny. It's whatever. But to me as a fan, it, it still just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Like, I don't care, man. I don't care that you're mad. I just want baseball. You know, I, I just want – you to come together i want you to be a human being and have a conversation not try to trash the other side like you know as a fan i just want the sport that i enjoy the sport that i put a lot of time into that i invest a lot of time into that i invest a lot of money into i just want i just want that to happen i just want baseball and i don't i don't care really about who's who's to blame or who said what or or who did what i don't care about any of that like i don't want to see any of these players on social media or the MLB or whatever, just blaming the other side. I don't care. Get a deal done. It, it makes me like you less when I see you out in the public just complaining about, about the other side. I just, I hate that aspect of it. Don't do it. Uh, it just, it makes me like you even less. It makes me even more frustrated with the situation. It makes me more frustrated with the sport. You know, like you said, Fred, I mean, I could see people coming out of this and it really how I felt after the 2020 with just how bad it was. You know, I didn't want to like either side. I, I didn't really want to like baseball at that moment. And, and I, so I just, that's what, that's what bugs me the most about all of this is just both sides pointing the fingers at each other, trying to win over the fan approval. Like you said, Fred, it just really makes fans not like them even more. But I'll move up, I'll move on from that a little bit here before I get too hot and start spit, spitting into my microphone here. Um, I want to talk about some of the, the bigger issues that they are fighting over. And we, I mean, look, like Fred said, we're not stupid. As fans, we know this is all about money. And how can the owners hang on to their money, and how can the players get more of it? That's basically what they're they're fighting over. But some of the biggest issues that we know of are players reaching free agency sooner. And it sounds like there was a proposal for players to reach free agency sooner based on age and service time, which I thought was actually a pretty solid idea. And then the luxury tax, getting it, you know, moved up, which 
really only affects, you know, a handful of teams. And then bumping up the minimum salary, which I think is a pretty easy solution there. Just bump it up to like a million dollars for minimum salary players, you know, in their first couple of pre-arb years. Uh, and also getting arbitration, getting to arbitration sooner. I think the players wanted to get to arbitration after two years, which again, not, you know, not anything crazy there either. I'd be on board with that, but those are some of the biggest issues that are coming up in negotiations right now that, that we know of that have been talked about. There's some other rule changes we can, which we can get into as well. But, uh, Alan, your just overall thought on some of those bigger issues right now that, you know, really neither side is budging on much. One thing I've been thinking about in terms of uh, free agency at 28 or 29 or whatever age you want to set it at, uh, that I don't know that anybody's really talking about too much and would have to be hashed out in some significant detail. Let's suppose that you have, well, let's, let me take an example. Shay Langliers, uh, uh, he's 25 years old. He has not made the majors yet. Might make the majors at 26, maybe 27. All right. So he gets there and he becomes a free agent at 28 or 29, one or two years off of that. Started right away. Um, is that good for the team that developed him? Well, it, no. you have to have the service time. That's why you throw in the age and the service time. You'd okay. have to have five years of service time and be that age. But, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying because there's there's college players, particularly catchers, that come up and it takes them a lot longer to develop. You know, you don't want them coming up at 26 and you get them for two years. That's why you have to have that service time um, in there as well. I don't disagree, and I had not heard that in, in the day of the discussions I've heard about uh this particular topic, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they still want to get, uh, these guys out to free agency faster. And I, I don't know that that's going to go over well with teams that, uh, spent a whole lot of money to develop these guys only to see them disappear fairly quickly. The second aspect is what do you do in terms of the arbitration system, uh, for those guys who have their arbitration years reduced? Do you, take away a year of the regular control? Do you take away a year of the arbitration, some combination thereof, or, or anything else? Those are going to be factors that may still impact how a team handles these guys in terms of bringing them to the majors. And I don't know that they've even gotten close to talking about that kind of detail yet. At this point, it's it's just we want to reduce uh, – uh, time to free agency. We want to reduce time to get to arbitration. Well, if you're going to ask for stuff like that, you have to give some things. And the player association haven't hasn't talked about a lot of things that they want to give up yet. And I've, if they want to talk about some things like that, then I've got some things to give them. Like, you know, I don't know if we we're going to talk about Marcelo Zuna, but uh, the fact is, the Braves are on the hook for 53 million bucks. Uh, for him, and they don't really want to give it to him because he's become a uh, essentially a persona non grata. So he, here's a team that has to pay $53 million to get a problem to go away. Uh, let's allow those kind of contracts to be voided. That would certainly be something that uh, the clubs would want and, and would give up something for. But again, so far all we've been hearing from both sides is gimme, 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 and nothing about uh, what they'd be willing to offer in, in exchange because it is a give and take. It has to be a give and take, and nothing uh, right now is um, coming around to that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you too. You know, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but I do agree with that idea of you know if you want players to get to free agency sooner, you know that's fine. I can get all that, but at the same time, that would kill low low market teams, small market teams, even mid-market teams who draft and develop these players and then expect to have them for six years in order to compete, you take that away for them? Or, I mean, let's say the the Brewers are a good example because Corbin Burns is going to make $4 million in arbitration this year. Well, he just won the, the NL Cy Young. I mean, if you, you know, create some sort of system where, you know, he gets paid Cy Young type numbers, the Brewers are going to have to trade them to the Yankees. <laughs> That's just going to help out the large market team. So, uh, yeah, know. let's, yeah, let me talk about a Pittsburgh then. You got Cabrian Hayes out there who, who's a budding superstar. Uh, if you want him to get a free agency earlier, that's going to kill the Pirates because they, now 
you could argue about how they've been run in any case, but the the fact is if you take a guy like that and you don't have time to build around him, then you're going to perennially be in rebuilding mode. You won't be able to get out of that cycle, and that that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, and you're going to see teams hold players down even more because you don't want to bring those guys up until you are ready to compete. So, I mean, I think there, you know, there's got to be some sort of agreement in there, maybe some sort of system for these players to get paid more, to get paid more sooner. But at the same time, I think if you do that, Fred, it, it really puts the small market teams at an even bigger disadvantage. Well, I, there's there's several things here, but I was listening to all that, and and Alan said four different ways that we have too many players who aren't worth the money they're making now. We're wanting to give them more money. And uh, you agreed with that. I mean, essentially, you've got you've got teams. If you started raising, setting the minimum wage for uh, first, second, and third year players, uh, something that the play they couldn't just say, okay, you're getting the minimum wage. There's a, there's a stair step. It's like in the military. As soon as you as soon as you've been in X amount of time in the Air Force, X amount of time, you get another stripe, and that gives you a raise. Well, uh, we've got people that wouldn't have been on the team at all as long as they were on the team, if that happened. I mean, uh, Johan Camargo would have been gone two years ago. Uh, honestly, the Braves kept around and paid him money for nothing. But they kept him around on the hope that he would come in. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that if you raise the raise the, these guys who are, are marginal players, who are late bloomers, are not going to get kept on the on the roster by anybody that can't the, uh, in the low end of the of the scale the Rays the the Marlins the the you know the the Rockies the, these guys down there that aren't that there's don't not be able to spend a lot of money for all this they're they're going to get hurt worse by any kind of thing like that and um, I'm not sure one year makes a difference but if you start free agency at two years four years of arbitration. Why don't we want people to be super twos? No, I don't want them to be super twos because they jump from a one million to a, what would have been would have been a a one million dollar year. All of a sudden, they're at a three million dollar year. That sets their base lower. And the next year, instead of four million, they're at six and a half, and then they're at nine, and all of a sudden they're at thirteen million dollars to keep them. And you got guys like you know that Dansby Swanson who hasn't hasn't really done enough with the bat to stick around and make that kind of money. And so you question this, do you give them that or do you just let them walk and hope that you can get somebody in cheaper who can catch the ball? You, it's, and I'm not picking on Dan's because I love him. I think it's going to be all right. But I just, I'm just saying you got players like that on every team. And we have teams out there that have, that are full of players who shouldn't put on a major league uniform because they're not a high enough quality player to provide real competition against real teams. Uh, you know, Dizzy Dean famously said back in the Forge, everybody wants to play for the Yankees. Uh, the Yankees are the Cubs. It's just the way things are. The Yankees are the Yankees are the Red Sox. It's just the way things are. Well, players want to play for the richest teams because they make the most money there. If you make, if you take the lid off of this, then the rich teams will go back to doing what they did before. They'll buy every player. You'll have the George Steinbrenners out there paying just to open up the checkbook. They have billions of dollars they can afford to throw away, and they'll sign every good player out there, and you're going to have more teams at the bottom of the pile, the dog pile, because all the good players are in New York, Los Angeles, uh, etc. So there's no easy answer to this. The you know, first of all, yeah, let's get rid of about four, four or five teams, and we'll get rid of this. We'll uh, six teams. We'll get this down to something measurable, and then we can have better players, and then those players can make more money. But right now, uh, if you told the if you told the Rays they have to have a hundred million base right now, and they got to play all their arbitrate, all their players are going to reach arbitration a year earlier. They're going to trade all of them a year earlier. There's just mm-hmm. it's they're just not going to do anything but that. It's bad, uh, and the you understand that. For the for Alan's point about the contracts, they could fix that with a clause in the contract that says if a team feels this player is not morally acceptable on their team, they, they can pay him the money over the next over a ten year period and cut him loose. That means that he still gets his money, and the team can move on without him. Uh, and the same with a guy who's like a when Dan Douglas fell off the cliff couldn't hit, 
instead of hanging him around and paying him $50 million a year uh, for three years, you cut him loose and pay him that money over 15 years, and he still gets his money with interest, uh, and he's not bogging down the payroll. There's got to be a way to avoid this. these uh, the, yeah, the big contracts that they're signing that aren't going to go good, and the union's not going to play with that, and until they do, uh, we're going to have this situation. Yeah, I mean, not not to go down a rabbit hole, but you have these teams signing these 10-year deals, and you know the last four or five aren't going to be good, and then it just cripples, like you said, cripples these franchises. You look at the the Angels, even a team that can spend a lot of money, you could argue that Mike Trout's best years have been hurt because of the Albert Pujols contract, and he's been uh, you know, a below-average player for five years now, and he's taken up a large portion of of their payroll but uh, again we could we could go on that forever but we have a lot to talk about as alan reminded me because i honestly had somehow i even forgot about the marcel ozuna situation but we're, we're trying league, to forget <laughs> yeah i wish i could but um major league baseball came out with their decision to retroactively suspend him for 20 games which means he's already served his suspension while he was on administrative leave starting september 10th through the rest of the regular season which means he is available to play right away. And right now he is a member of the Atlanta Braves. So if the season started today, he would be on the roster for the Atlanta Braves. So I've written about this on TomahawkTake.com, and my opinions on it are very strong. I don't ever want to see him in a Braves uniform again. You know, Does he deserve a second chance? Sure, everybody does, but it needs to be somewhere else. And the Braves are in a tough spot here. I can't. I never would have imagined that they would have retroactively suspend him for an amount of time that basically he's already served. I mean, I was of the mindset thinking he could potentially be suspended for, you know, all of all of the upcoming season, if not at least half of the upcoming season. And that would give the Braves a little bit of of breathing room, some money back that they could, you know, spend. But (laughs) Alan, they they would. They decided to go with 20 games that he's already served, and now the Braves are left with a, a hot mess to decide what to do with. Yeah, this that shocked me. It really did. And what it amounts to is that uh, the Braves has, still have to pay it, almost his entire seven-eighths of his $12 million contract for 2021. So they get uh, something less than $2 bucks back, and that's – a paltry amount for what's going on. And, uh, you know, there's been a a video released that, uh, TMZ had out on Twitter that, uh, showed his, um, his acts of violence in progress. And uh, I can't still fathom how in the world he got off without criminal charges of some sort being pressed, much less, uh, no jail time, no, not even a misdemeanor charge. And now Major League Baseball has come back and given him the virtual slap on the wrist here. Uh, this, this is flabbergasting to me. And now the Braves are left to figure out how to pick up the pieces. We haven't heard anything from, from the Braves about how they want to handle this. They're probably as shocked as anybody else is. Uh, but fact is he still do, uh, I mean, add it up here. Thirty-six, fifty-two million dollars. Fifty-three. Okay. Well, in any case, it's it's a big hunk of change. Now, yes, they could probably release him and pay it out year by year, sixteen, eighteen, eighteen. I would like to see something like, in the absence of anything else, I would like to see something like what Fred suggested, and unfortunately, it would end up. And not not being a Bobby Bonilla kind of contract, but uh, something that would, uh, uh, of course, have to pay him interest in order to defer that kind of money out for the next 10 years. So it would obviously continue to, to cost the Braves more money. But uh, if they could get away with some manner of uh, deferring this payment, that's probably the best thing for the team. Uh, I do not know at all how this uh, works out in terms of the luxury tax calculations, AAVs and such. I, I don't know if it stays with the original uh, terms of the contract or if uh, they can somehow get that resolved in their favor. But it, it would be nice to see the Braves get out from under this somehow because they're they're effectively a victim too now and the victim to the tune of 53 million bucks. 
and change. So I, you know, in a, a perfect world in a vacuum, I'm thinking, wow, he'd make a great DH, but uh, no, this, this is not going to happen. This should not happen. I, I'm all for giving people a second chance, but it doesn't mean that he gets the privilege to play baseball and entertain fans anymore. Yeah, I mean, definitely get on board with that. And it's just so frustrating. I don't understand. I don't understand Major League Baseball at all. I don't understand Rob Manfred can't stand the guy. I thought Jose Arena should have gotten 20 games for clearly plunking one of the bright young superstars in all of baseball on purpose because he was hitting too good. And Marcelo Zuna gets 20 games for strangling his wife, choking his wife. I mean, I, I don't get it. It's it's frustrating. It's it's maddening. Everything about what I'm saying on this podcast is, is frustrating and maddening. But, uh, Fred, I don't understand it. I don't know what the Braves are going to do with it. I, I would I would imagine the best case scenario here is that they find somebody to take him on and at least eat some of the salary. You may even have to throw a prospect or two attached with him. But I just I can't see him putting on a Braves uniform again. I can't either. I mean, I, we've talked about this before. I mean, I, there are ways to do this uh, that uh, wouldn't cripple the Braves. But part of this is that we it happened. I mean, you saw what the Nationals did with what with the, the, the their their little problem child. They just cut him loose. Of course, he was only making a million, and they had less than a year left in his contract. But we, we as a, as a organization are just coming around to what we should have been doing a long time ago, and that's protecting women, uh, from men who can't control themselves. The idea that, um, that you can do that and 20 games, now 20 games, I, I think I worked out last night that 20 games cost Ozuna something like, something like, uh, Three million dollars, okay, three point four million dollars, based upon just an average of one hundred and eighty-six games, one hundred eighty-six days a year over twenty days, twenty games, maybe maybe longer than that, because that was a per day. But the the idea that you have to take this guy back into your clubhouse is it's part of the part of the thing is you didn't do your good you know, due diligence when you signed him, and. I I think that you know that's part of the reason that the teams have to accept the responsibility for this. And him, they knew who he was. Um, I don't know whether they ran a check on him or not, but if they didn't, they should have. And when you you suffer the consequences of that, I'd like to get a way out of it, but the players are going to have to pay him. Somebody's going to have to pay him that money. The I'd read a comment by somebody, and I can't remember who it was now because it was right after the Ozuna thing was announced, that um, Trevor Bauer was out there rubbing his hands with glee saying, man, I'm going to get off of this stuff of the month. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that something has to happen to allow, you know, we're not blackballing them out of baseball as such, but if you're if your fans don't want to see him on the team, if the team doesn't want him and the fans don't want him, no matter who he is, uh, because of something like this, it's very understandable that the team would cut him loose. And I think in that case, if you cut him loose and you continue to pay him over a period of time with interest, that's a fair that's a fair uh, deal for him um, because he done got away with beating up on somebody, even if she was. Coming after him, he had the keys to the car. Get in the car and leave. Don't stand your ground. This is not a stand your ground thing. You know, get in the car and leave. Yeah, I know that women beat up men and and they get away with it, and men to get up beat up women and get away with it. But if you're caught, if you're a guy and she's beating on you, get out the door and find take a hotel for the night. You can afford that. Uh, I just, I, I don't know. I said before that Liberty Media could solve this by just telling the Braves we're going to give you that money. Don't panic. Um, I don't know that they will, but if I was their PR guy, that's what I'd be recommending because it would be both good PR for them as owner, the team, and I don't. But I just don't think that's going to happen. As to where he's going to go, who's going to take that contract? Who's bad enough off that they're going to take that contract? Maybe the Cubs. I don't know. Uh, I don't know who's got a contract that that's bad, that's that bad that they would want to get rid of him, get rid of him for a better hitter like uh, for a hitter like Ozuna, a player like Ozuna. I, you know, I, I don't want to blackball him. I don't run him out of baseball. But uh, at the same time, I don't want him on the Braves either. And I thought he was going to get at least six months. I mean, they they 
suspended Diekman for a year, something that happened two and a half happened two and a half years ago. They gave him 162 games, and they're only giving Ozuna 20. Really? Uh, you got to explain that to me, uh, or they don't. But I wish they would explain that to me. Uh, maybe it's some legal kind of thing, but it sure doesn't look good, and it sure doesn't hold up with their policy of uh, of making it hard on the players because he got he got paid and he got his money and. And he's coming back uh, fat, dumb, and happy, or healthy, dumb, and happy uh, from a trip to uh, Latin America to play some winter ball. So I don't know. I, I it just it, it, it. I'm like Jake. It really it really jacks my jaws to, to have to to have the potential of seeing him back in a Braves uniform. And I'm I'm really hoping it doesn't happen. Um, and you know, I just don't. There's not an easy answer for it, but it's it's sure grating. It's once again putting the Braves in a bad situation that they didn't really ask for. Going back to the All-Star game, I mean, the Braves didn't ask for that, and yet baseball punished them. I mean, whatever you want to think of it, the Braves were punished by losing that All-Star game for something they couldn't control, and now they're being punished again by something they couldn't control. And I get what you're saying. The Braves should have done their due diligence on him, and there was a you know domestic dispute between him and his wife, I believe, the year prior where she attacked him. So, you know, they probably should have done, you know, better better legwork there. But still, I mean, you can't predict necessarily that this was going to happen. And now, like you said, he's going to get this money. I mean, there's no way to get around that. He is owed $53 million, and somebody's going to have to give that to him. And I just hope, whether it's the Braves or not, I just hope he, he never plays for the Braves again. Um, I, I don't even want to know or think what it would be like for him going back in that clubhouse um, and just messing up the chemistry there. But just beyond that, I, I just don't want to see him in a Braves uniform. It's just it, it's it would not it would not sit well with me in particular. And yeah, I just I don't understand. Like I said earlier, I don't understand the suspensions handed out. I mean, I think the the minimum for substance abuse for steroids is like 80 games now but yet we give 20 games to a guy that choked his wife and then some domestic instances we suspend players a year some we suspend them 60 like if you broke the rule then you broke the rule like i don't i don't understand the the levels of of suspension here i it just i don't understand i don't understand a lot of what Major League Baseball does in these decisions. It's just very frustrating, but that's where we are. Like I said, the only good thing to come out of this is that the Braves at least now have clarity of the situation and know what they have to face going forward, and what they have to face is a terrible situation. Um, I suspect they had an idea, because I suspect that's part of the reason that the Freeman deal wasn't done sooner. I I, I really can't can't believe that that they that they didn't know this was coming, they were going to have to figure a way out of it. Uh, but I, it's not an excuse because uh, they got the money. I mean, uh, the World Series thing uh, put, put enough money in their pocket that they can afford to pay Freddie, um, and they've got money coming on the TV contract. They can pay Freddie. But I just think that part of the reason that they didn't was the was they knew they were giving a heads up. This is what was going to happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily believe in that. Not, it sounds like you don't really either. They have the money there to spend Freddie. That should have been done. Should have been done last year. Should have been done the year before. It definitely should have been done before this lockout. Uh, Alan, I don't, I, we can get into it if you want, but I'm trying not to put too much negativity on this podcast, but I, I just, I cannot believe Freddie Freeman is not signed right now. Like, I don't know if you want six and one eighty, give it to him. Whatever. I, I just cannot believe we're going into this lockout, which could last months, and the Braves still don't have a Freddie Freeman deal done. Look around your stadium, Alex. Look at you know. Remember what you were seeing over the entire se- season. How many Freeman jerseys were sitting in the stands? How much he is loved by the fans? How much he has endured for the fans? How many times he went to um, management and said, no, I don't really want to be traded. I, be, while these times are bad, while we're rebuilding, I want to work through this. I'll, I'll stick with you through it, and I'll wait until the team gets good again. 
I mean, he's done that. He fought for Brian Snicker, turned out to be the right decision. You can't name anybody else in this franchise that has done more for the team than Freddie Freeman over the last 10 years. You just can't. It, it's not possible. He's a consistent performer, and we've, you know, we've been through this. We, we all want to see the man paid. Now, I don't know if how, how big the gap is, but frankly, it's got to be almost ridiculously big to get this kind of stuff going here because it almost seems like Alex Anthopoulos is waiting to find out or, or waiting for uh, Freeman to sort of run out of other options. There's some talk that the Yankees don't want to spin big, the Dodgers don't want to spin big, and, and maybe the Red Sox don't necessarily either, and I'm not sure what his landing spot would be other than those teams. I mean, it only takes one, though. And if you're trying to wait him out for a few extra dollars, come on, man. Let's get this thing going. Uh, this is not good. It's not right. And again, uh, just like the lockout and, and the labor strife, this is continuing to put sour pills into the mouths of Braves fans that uh, should be enjoying a uh, winter as World Series champs. And, well, I mean, as, as it is right now, now you can't do anything till, uh, things, uh, are, are released again. You've got an entire month and a half of bad will continuing to, to build up here. And frankly, once you get around to late January, early February, when maybe an agreement is finally signed, things are going to move fast and you better be ready because Freddie Freeman is going to be ready for another team by then. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Fred, I said this on the, the Lockdown Braves podcast that I do, too, but, I, you know, I'm not into giving out bad contracts. And I'm not even saying this would be a, a bad contract. But like I just said, a lot of these, you know, seven, eight, you know, 10 year deals, whatever, they end up being bad in the end. But this is different. This is Freddie Freeman. This is the guy who went through a real rebuild with you to win you a World Series the guy that loves Atlanta, the, the 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 city loves him, and I mean he makes you millions of dollars, like Alan said. I mean, you see all the Freeman jerseys in the stands that the fans love him. He makes them tons of money. You know, this is different. This is you know a guy that's been there his whole career, a guy that's potentially a, a Hall of Famer, definitely a Braves Hall of Famer. This is a different scenario. You go out and you pay this guy, you know, don't give him what he wants. I think the Braves have already negotiated enough down to where it's between five and six years. I thought it would be between six and seven years. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't even think this is necessarily a bad deal. But even if you think it is, for me, this is different. You, you play this one with the heart a little bit more because it is Freddie Freeman. Well, you can you could make this deal where it's not all that bad. I mean, you can front load the contracts, but the back end isn't bad. Uh, you know, this whole this whole thing about I've I've been saying all summer six years of one seventy five gets him, and and I think that's still I think that's still the price six years of one seventy five six years one eighty. I think that gets him if if it's a year and you're not doing it for a year for any kind of idiotic brain dead reason. Then uh, you should be fired. I, you know, there's no other, there's no other explanation for that. And it's not like the Braves don't have the money. I'll, I'll repeat that. They had a postseason. The first three quarters of this year, they've already made more money than they did all, they did all of last year. All right. And the last quarter of last year, they made 200 or last quarter of 2019, they made like 222 million in revenue and they're going to kick that they're going to they're going to be close to double that with based upon the world series and postseason run they have the money this is not a question of whether they have it or not and they're getting a bigger television contract in 2023 it's not huge but they're getting more money into another 20 million in 2023 they have players they need to sign that are important. They have, you know, they're going to have Riley come. They need to extend him. They need to extend Freed. There's other players out there they need to find and they need to get other people on board. But the difference between Freeman and the Pujols contract, for example, was that the Cardinals actually offered him more money when you consider the California tax brackets than California did. They just didn't want to give him all the years. And he was, that's because they knew he was 
old and his legs were going and he wasn't going to be around all those years. And then, then three years later, he wasn't around. Freeman's not like that. His body has not started to fall apart openly in public like Albert's has. Freeman's going to be able to hit even if he if something happens and he can't play first base, and I still don't think that's possible. He's going to continue to be a two or three win player for the rest of his career. He's not going to fall off some cliff somewhere. His batting average, his, his the way he swings the bat, the way he puts the ball in play, all that say he's not going to do that. So this has got to be some kind of monetary uh, or imposed, self-imposed moratorium on years or years plus money. It just doesn't make any sense. And for those folks who say, well, let's just go trade for Matt Olson. You don't have the minor league system to trade for Matt Olson. Just forget that. My, Matt Olson is going to cost you 255 level, level caliber players and a couple more players because he's that good. And you don't have it. You don't have those players in the system unless you're willing to fess up Harris and Pache and maybe a couple of pitchers to go with them. We don't do that. We're not going to get Matt, Matt Olson for that for, for chump change. That just isn't going to happen. They don't have to trade him. So, you know, that's fantasy league stuff. It just doesn't play here. So you're going to end up with the, with a Rizzo or somebody like that if you don't sign Freeman, and that just sucks the life out of the team. It's a bad idea. It should have been done last winter. Uh, David O'Brien, somebody asked David O'Brien since when did Freeman start feeling disrespected? I said, well, about nine months ago, and that's about yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's what's frustrating at this point is that I almost don't blame Freddie Freeman at this point if he goes somewhere else because – He's given this this franchise, this team, this front office every opportunity to bring him back, you know, to get a deal done. And they are being the front of Braves front office. I'm talking about being just completely stubborn. I mean, even more stubborn than the the MLB Players Association and the league itself. Uh, I just I don't understand it. A deal should have been done. Freddie Freeman should be a Brave. We shouldn't have to go through the next two plus months or whatever this lockout still not knowing where Freddie Freeman's going to be. But uh, here we are, and that that is the case. I just I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. I still believe he's going to be an Atlanta Brave. Uh, I just have to, for sanity's sake. But I, I just can't believe they don't have a deal in place. But let's let's move on from that <laughs> for right now, and let's talk about some deals that are in place because uh, we did have the non-tender deadline, and the Braves extended a contract to all of their arbitration-eligible players except for Johan Camargo, Richard Rodriguez, and Jocelyn De La Cruz. Um, so that means players like Adam Duvall, uh, probably the only one on there that maybe was questionable, was extended a contract. Haven't heard the figures on a lot of these players. I think the only one that we heard of was Guillermo Heredia, who signed for $1 million. Uh, Then there's a couple of other signings. I just want to mention all these transactions that I'll, I'll let you guys speak to them. Uh, but the Braves also signed Kirby Yates, a uh, guy coming off uh, Tommy John surgery. He has pitched four, a little over four innings in the last two years, so uh, kind of a, a high upside play there. Also got Jay Jackson in a trade from the Giants as well. He also signed Manny Pena for backup catcher. Uh, so a couple of moves transaction-wise here over the last couple of weeks or so. Uh, Alan, I'll just go to you first. Any surprises from the non-tender deadline and just your thoughts on any of these signings not a lot of surprise here continue to think that they would offer a contract to adam duvall because he did have a heck of a season if you've got a guy like the national league rbi leader under team control regardless of uh, arbitration's status or arbitration year, you go ahead and do that. You go ahead and bring him back in. Yeah, he's a bad ball hitter. Yeah, he makes uh, a lot of his stats during the regular season when you got uh, less than excellent pitching out there, but it helps you get to the postseason too. So the fact that they, they've got him, he's also a uh, an excellent defender in the outfield. I, I think that's a good move. There may still be some other things that are going on there, assuming that we can get off top dead center, but uh, we're going to wait till February to see to see that kind of stuff going. I like the uh, Kirby Yates thing. They obviously liked him last year when they tried to get him at this off season, but they didn't like his medicals at that time, and darn it if they didn't get that one right. So, yeah, he's uh, 
still getting himself repaired and, and rehabbed and stuff, but uh, they obviously like what he can do out there on the mound, and anything they can provide uh, would be good. Yeah, they're going to give him what I, I think it was eight million bucks for the privilege, but uh, at the same time, that's not a bad uh, number for for a guy with the track record he's got. Uh, we'll just see have to see how it uh, plays out, mostly in twenty twenty three, and maybe at the end of twenty twenty two he might uh, be able to come on and contribute. So to be like a trade deadline acquisition at that point. So uh, I like that. Uh, Manny Pena, uh, I think, uh, makes a good one-two punch with Travis Darno. Uh, you're gonna get a lot more offense out of these catchers, I think. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, and other than that, uh, I think we're done. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, the only thing I wanted to, to mention, Fred, and then I'll let you talk about them, these, these transactions. Joan Camargo, did sign with the Phillies. I think they got that deal done before the lockout. And then the Kirby Yates deal, he will make um, $8.25 million over two years. He gets just $1 million in 2022, $6 million in 2023, and then has a option for the 2024 season at $5.75 million with a $1.25 million buyout. So, Fred, your thoughts on the non-tender deadline and the other signings the Braves have made? Uh, yeah, Sean Newcomb's still around. I didn't expect that somehow. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and we got him. That's fine. And I didn't, I didn't particularly want to boot him out for nothing. But at the same time, uh, it, it was sort of, why are we keeping him kind of thing? And maybe they plan to trade him. I don't know. Uh, the Kirby Yates thing, uh, I continue to think that that is a, uh, and that's a move to 2023 as opposed to 2022, just by the way the contract is structured. Uh, the, the first year back from TJ is typically you either can't find your velocity or you can't find your control. Uh, and by the way, being locked out is not going to help him. And uh, so thing that in 2023, he's got both of those horses back together and in the same light. And if he doesn't work, okay, uh, and that's the year that Will Smith's contract's up. And I'm not putting him in his closure. I'm just saying that's the veteran bullpen piece that replaces the Will Smith bullpen piece. But even if it doesn't work out, we just wasted $11 million on Drew Smiley. And, um, you know, I, it's not a, it's not a horrible deal. I hope he succeeds. I just, I just thought it was a lot of money for him. The, um, uh, Heredia signing, I think that was a good deal. Heredia was a good guy in the clubhouse. He played good defense for us. Uh, he's not going to win any gold gloves and he's not going to hit, thir- hit 285 and, and 15 homers, but he's a nice fourth outfielder to have around. I, I still think they need the center fielder. Um, but, uh, right now we're not going to get anything. And the chances are that by the time it comes around to doing anything, uh, we're not going to get anything then either. Uh, I was kind of shocked at uh, the, what the Red Sox did the other night. That's another, that's another situation trading away what they did, but they were basically buying prospects. Uh, and I don't, I don't know at this point that we're going to do anything like that. Duvall's not a center fielder. I know he made that catch, but yeah, not a center fielder for me. Uh, they don't want to put Ronnie out there. They don't want to put the stress legs, all the turns go in both directions. And, and, and he's, he's not the best out there and he's better in right field anyway. So they're still going to try to find somebody and maybe it ends up being Duvall with, uh, with Freddie replacing him late. Manny Pena is a good pickup. He found the Thunder last year. Um, heard him talking about how he uh, decided, how he figured it out late, how he got his swing down to where he he didn't have to swing in so hard so often, and that when he did finally control the strike zone better, guess what? The ball started flying out of the ballpark. So I like the Pena signing mostly because I don't think Darno is ever going to catch half a season of baseball again. I just he just only done it once or twice, and I don't think he's going to do it again. Uh, he's just a, a per- perpetually broken catcher. Uh, I I think it does mean that you know, one of the one of the prospects get tra- gets traded, but of course not now. And uh, I just think it was pretty good all the way around. I would I, the Arcia bringing Arcia back. That was, I mean, they could have got Phil Gosselin for the same, and he would have done at least as good as Arcia did defensively. Um, and Arcia just unless the pitch his bat a lot more often, he's still not going to hit 200. So. I, I wasn't happy about that, but you know, basically they haven't done anything that's that's bad, but they 
they have omit by omission done things that they should have done. Uh, and we won't know what the, how that comes out for another 118 days. Yeah, well, that was going to be my uh, final question to both of you here to kind of put a bow on this uh, lockout discussion is what is your prediction? When do you think a deal gets done? And, Fred, I'll go to you first. Well, I think that they have to get something done in January if they're going to do it because it takes time to sign players, and you're not allowed to talk to them now. There, there's no way you can talk to them now and put something down and say, well, you know, you mean to call me about uh, the day after they do that in January, we'll do something. I, I I would have said that if they don't have something done by Martin Luther King Day, the 15th of January, to 20th of January at the latest, uh, there's there's a big problem ahead because that's going to push spring training back and players are going to come into the season less prepared. And we saw what that's like before. I remember the season after the last strike. Uh, and players came in, uh, pitchers weren't ready. It took, uh, basically took Roger Clements until July before he could throw strikes consistently enough to, uh, to be the, uh, dynamic force that he was that year. Uh, players got injured. I just, this is not good for either side. So I'm, I'm going to hopefully say they get something done by the 20th of January and, uh, but don't put money on that. All right, Alan, what you got? Ready for this? Yeah. February, February 18th. Friday, February 18th, because I think we are going, we, we have sides that are so entrenched that we are going to lose spring training games. I think they're going to try and maybe finally get things together and settle so that they have about a week after that to get the rest of the transactions done, get everybody reporting to spring training and start, uh, spring training activities around March 1st. I don't like that prediction but i'm believing that prediction right now i i think it's going to take that much effort to to get these uh boats turned around and and pointed in the same direction and i i don't like it but i think that's what it's going to take yeah i don't like that prediction either so go ahead and just edit that out later but um <laughs> but we're going to highlight it if it's right <laughs> yeah absolutely I'm gonna I'm gonna split the difference. I'm gonna go right in between both of you. I've I've always kind of I've said since it happened, which was last night, that I I think it happens at the end of January. So maybe last week of January, beginning first week of February. If it doesn't happen by then, then that's when I will start to panic a little bit because, like you know, both of you talked about, you got to give teams players time to get signed because there's still a lot of really big free agents out there. Um, so you gotta, you know, give them opportunities to get signed and know where they're going for pitchers and catchers. So I, I will say the last week of January, if it goes beyond that, I'm going to start getting really nervous. We're all going to just really hope that Allen is completely off the rails here. And, uh, yes. but unfortunately, like, like you said, I'm afraid he may not be because both sides are dug in as strongly as they are, it would not surprise me at all if we see spring training delayed. And then we're going to have yet another season where things are just kind of wacky because you had the 2020 shortened season, and then you had this past season where everybody's trying to recover from that, and you had all the injuries because of that, and then now you're going to have potentially another delayed season. So that's going to be unfortunate. It just seems like it's going to be three years in a row now where we really you know, just haven't, everything hasn't felt you know, kind of like it, it should be like a normal regular season. You know, you didn't have fans in the stands at the beginning of the 2021 season in a lot of places, or at least not, you know, a lot of fans. So, you know, we're still, we still yet to really get back to just a normal off season, normal regular season routine and definitely not going to get that this off season and pr- probably not into this next regular season as well. But I'm going to think optimistically and say they get something done before uh, the end of January and that way everything kind of stays on schedule, the Braves will get Freddie Freeman signed the first week of February, and everything will be good again. And your defending World Series champions will be able to begin the 2022 season on time. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Tomahawk Take Podcast. Make sure you check out me, Alan, and Fred, and all our other writers over on the TomahawkTake.com website. We'll have plenty of coverage throughout this lockout, so make sure that you keep continue to check us out there and check us out on Twitter as well at TomahawkTakeFS. That will do it for this podcast, and we will talk to you next week.
Happily, this is not a lockout version of the Tomahawk Take podcast, so we can still speak with you on all matters of Braves baseball. It's a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC, a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc. Opinions expressed on the show today are solely those of their participants, and while Minute Media allowed us a flurry of signing opportunities last week, we chose to be like the Yankees and do nothing. All rights reserved. One of the musical selections used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. This was a piece by Kevin McLeod entitled Whiskey on the Mississippi, which was modified to fit in the available space. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other musical selections used come via rights already purchased by TomahawkTake.com. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today, and we hope you all will keep your interest in us during the lockout, since unlike Major League Baseball, we still like our fans a lot. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty. That means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.